Sales is traditionally a human-centric discipline. Deals and partnerships were always best forged through human interaction relationships. Then COVID-19 came along and disrupted everything we thought we knew about the art and science of selling. We're cut off from our customers and our team members and striving to create personal connections via video conferencing in an uncertain market. In today's episode of the Mad Women Podcast, brought to you by Embolden, Laura and Rachel welcome Melissa Merwin, VP Sales Solutions North America at LinkedIn, into the studio to talk about how sales professionals can survive and thrive in the new normal by viewing change as an opportunity for growth. We hope you enjoy the show. So thank you so much, Alyssa, for coming and joining us at Embolden on our Mad Women podcast. We're so excited to have you and chat with you today about your experience and uh, what you've done at LinkedIn and throughout your career. Um, We'd love to hear from you, and I'm sure our audience would as well. You've been in sales for over 20 years. You know, tell us a little bit about how you started in sales and the steps that you took to get to LinkedIn or what drove you to then want to come to LinkedIn and take your career in that direction? Yeah, Laura, it's great to be here and, and thanks thanks for having me. I'm excited to be part of anything with Mad Woman in the in the title. Uh, I think it's it's such a great it's such a great framing. Um, yeah, my you know 20 years in sales. It's crazy when you, you know, I think back about the arc of the career and and the many ups and downs. But it has been a journey. And you know when I when I go all the way back to what initially interested me in getting into sales. You know, I thought I was getting into consulting, if I'm being really honest. I thought, you know, consulting, I was going to go work for this company that was based out of Washington, D.C. called the Corporate Executive Board. And, you know, they did, that was sort of a consulting company. But the first job that was available for a recent college grad was in the sales org. And so I sort of fell into sales, not knowing much about it. And uh, it, it clearly wasn't very intentional. But I, as soon as I, I got into the role and I realized that it was the kind of job where you could kind of create your own opportunity and you know that you could release you could really start to understand what in, in our case executives were dealing with and challenged with and then figure out how you could help it it, it sort of fulfilled the consulting uh you know energy or in, interest that i had um and also the, this idea that i could create my own my own future which i loved and so you know i, I fell into the job initially, but it turned out to be the perfect fit. And, um, you know, I've never looked back. You know, I, I spent my, the first 10 years of my career at that company, and it was a great learning ground. You know, I learned so much about um, how to engage with the senior executive audience and about sales process. And there were so many facets that were so foundational to helping me to where I am today. And then about 10 years ago, I made the move to LinkedIn, which was at that time, uh, you know, it was the early days, uh, pre-IPO, you know, doing well, but it's still, you know, a very, a very different version um, than where we are today. And, it, you know, it was a great opportunity to try something new, to move into tech. And, you know, I, I started out in our talent solutions business, which was really working with uh, talent acquisition and helping them understand how to, um, you know, look at, at recruiting in a different way. And I spent a, a, the bulk of my time at LinkedIn in that function and in that area but I always had this desire to get back to, um, you know, this idea of selling into a sales executive audience. You know, you think about spending so much time of your, your career as an individual contributor selling and honing your skills. And you think about 
what I loved about sales initially or what I thought I was getting into it on consulting, it was this perfect marriage. I had the opportunity to come over a few years ago and start to lead our North America sales solutions business. And we're selling a solution that helps other sales teams be effective. And so it's sort of the center of the bullseye in so many ways. And, and what's been really fun is to have seen and participated in the evolution of sales over the last few years. And now to be able to be bringing that to our customers and advising them and consulting them on, you know, what does that mean today? So it's been a journey, but it's been fun. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I love right in the beginning, how you started your career and said, you know, I didn't, I never saw sales as a, you have to hustle in sales, but it was never of a, you know, just got to close the deal, close the deal, close the deal. It's really about finding solutions to meet the needs of whoever it is you're talking to, right? And, and those things can change depending on the audience, right? So, you know, it's something that I firmly believe in that sales is really about relationship building and really understanding um, the challenges that people have and you as kind of a facilitator to figure out how to solve for those solutions. So I love that you brought that up from very beginning of your career. What do you see then how the landscape has really changed in sales over the years? I mean, you have progressed in your career. You've gone from really talking with executives at a corporate board, exec, uh, corporate board level to now being more in the ad tech space. And they're, they're very different, yet I'm sure that there's some similarities, but how do you see it having changed and where do you see it going? Yeah, you know, I think some of the tenants are, are going to be, you know, the same no matter which decade we're talking about, you know, relationships will always be important, trust will be important. There are, there are elements of sales that will always persist, but I do think that we're seeing some pretty, pretty stark changes uh, in terms of what you might have been able to be successful with before and what it requires today. And so let me share with you some of the things that we're seeing in the market. And, you know, one of them is we really started to take this, um, this, this approach of putting the buyer at the center. That concept in, in some ways is not new. You know, we, we should always be putting the buyer first and, and thinking about what's best for them. But I'm not sure that we've all, that all sales organizations have practiced that, you know, in reality. And what I mean by that is, you know, it, it used to be that, um, you know, in order to help a, a customer prospect think through a sales process, you would show up, you would diagnose their challenges, you would present them with, you know, how you could help, and, and you would sort of escort them through the sales process. Well, today, with the amount of information that exists, and the amount of, of you know, referrals and access to, you know, information, the buyers get through so much more of the buying journey on the front end before any of us ever show up. And so our job is not just to, you know, uh, meet with the, the prospect and, and introduce them to what we can offer. We've really got to show up having, anticipating what are their challenges, knowing that they've probably already done quite a bit of due diligence. They probably understand what you and your closest competitors offer to some degree, have some informed opinions based on you know, friends that they have that might be using those different solutions. And, and I think our job is really to help cut through some of that noise, to be really objective in the process and understand that is my solution actually the one that's best suited to help you? And taking a little bit of a longer term view, it's not just about the sale today. You know, if, if I'm in this industry and you know, we're building a relationship, we may come we go across each other's paths a number of times across our careers. And so really thinking about you know, long-term, thinking about um, how much more data information a, a buyer has before we even get the opportunity to meet with them and really being honest and, and clear about whether we can help. And, and if not, I think also 
being open to making some introductions and, and helping them think through a problem that maybe we're not suited to solve ourselves, but, but we can be a thought partner. So I think those are some of the things that are really shifting with this new landscape. Well, and talk about shifting landscapes. I think I'm, I, I'm spending more time on LinkedIn than I ever have. And I would imagine everybody would say the same. It's like your, your lifeline to business and your community and your network. Um, but I, this, this has to be uncertain times and a lot of pressure for sales professionals. Um, what, what would you say are the biggest challenges that you're, you're facing right now? Well, yeah, I mean, there's no question. I think people, we're, we're seeing engagement through the roof right now. And, you know, part of that dynamic is, um, you know, I think a lot of people are, are realizing how important it is to be building your brand and standing out from the rest in this environment. Um, you know, budgets are tighter than they've ever been, right? The, the bar to get something done is, is extremely high, you know, and, and so some of the challenges I think are helping our, our teams to rise to those, those new challenges. And some of that means new skills that we need to acquire. In fact, um, you know, link, some of the LinkedIn learning courses around things like time management, active listening. Uh, there's a whole series of courses that we've seen just a huge spike in salespeople in particular investing time and energy in because they realize, especially in a, a virtual world where we're all, we're all working um, through technology as opposed to face-to-face -face interactions, we have to adapt and we have to learn new skills in order to be effective. The, the things that worked before when we could sit down and break bread together and, you know, uh, or, or meet in someone's office and build rapport that way, they don't translate, of course, in the same way in, in a virtual environment. And so those are some of the things that we really have to think about the skills that we're arming our teams with and, and how they're adapting. Um, and, and like I said before, the, the idea that there's just so much more information. So we can't show up with just being an expert in our own domain. We have to understand the, the category, we have to understand the industry, and we have to be at a place where we're adding value. Nobody has time and energy right now, given all we're juggling and life and work, to have a, a sort of subpar conversation or one that doesn't, doesn't actually make us smarter on the other end. So I think are we, we're having to help our teams think about how do you show up to a meeting in a way that adds differentiated value and, and add, brings insight to the conversation. So those are all new challenges. I think not, you know, it's not just our team, but every team really needs to be thinking about. Right, and this, it has to hit younger team members in a different way. And people who are more seasoned have been through economic downturns. I don't think anyone has ever experienced anything quite like this. But, you know, if you're someone who's, say, under 30, this is a whole new world uh, and, and challenges they haven't experienced. Like, how do you, how are you coaching some of your younger team members through this? Well, I'll tell you right now, I think for younger team members, it's, it's really focusing on the person and it's focusing on resilience. Uh, you know, of course, there's, there's skills as part of this, but I think if we don't start with the whole self and making sure that they feel you know, safe and they feel uh, that they, they've got the resources to manage their you know, mental, emotional, physical space and all of the things that they need to take, take care of, it's really hard to show up effectively in, in the market. And so those are some of the things that we're really focused on, like the emotional well-being, taking care of our people, checking in, and really working with leaders on how do you build resilience into a team because there are going to be ups and downs right now. There's there's so much uncertainty, and you know, as humans, we're not particularly great at, at uncertainty, and we're not great at change. And I think it's going to be one of the keys to success in you know the certainly in, in today's environment. And my guess is we're going to be dealing with a lot of change and uncertainty. Uh, in, in the coming you know, weeks, months, years ahead. And that's the new norm. And so that's, those are the skills that I think we really have to focus on. 
So I love all this talk about building the personal brand and coaching the younger audiences. And I think that that's really going to resonate a lot with our community because we talk a lot about investing in yourself to build your personal brand, right? I mean, that is the most important thing you can do. I would love to hear outside of the coaching aspects, what have you done, right? What have you done throughout your career? Um, And feel free to be honest, like what's worked and what maybe hasn't worked or why what hasn't worked actually maybe was important for later on, right? Like there's so many steps that you can take in a career. And I think they would love to hear just your personal experiences, if you would share. Sure. Yeah. You know, the thing about brand, it's, it's a, it is a bit of a nebulous concept. You know, brand, brand is, you know, depends on the audience you're talking about. Uh, you know, I think brand can be an internal, you know, looking perspective, but how do the, my colleagues and the people I work with feel about me? Um, and then there's certainly the external brand. So how does the market or my customers or the industry view me? And, you know, we, we certainly can't control any of those things, but I think some things that have worked well and maybe also in the, in the spirit of things that haven't worked well, uh, you know, I, I've learned a lot as, you know, over the years and, maybe I'll start with what I, what I learned not to do. And, um, I remember a, a number of years ago, my, um, my, my manager said, you know, Alyssa, I really like you to, to work on some special projects and initiatives. It'll be good for your brand and good to work, you know, cross-functionally and, and get some, some experience and things outside of your core domain. So I said, sure. So I signed up and, you know, I, I, I hopped onto a, pro- a couple of project teams and, you know, I, I, I was okay. I wasn't, I wasn't super passionate about them and it showed up in the work product. And so when I was getting feedback after the project, he said, you know, like, th- thanks for participating, but I would say that your, your, your contribution was, was fine. It wasn't exceptional. And I realized in that moment that it was actually more damaging that I had signed up to do something that I, my heart wasn't in and that I wasn't really excited about and invested in than to have not done it at all. And so that was my first real aha of I'm going to be very specific and clear about only investing and saying yes to things that I have a passion about and that I can, where I can do my best work because I had no idea how damaging it could be to, to do an okay job and nobody wants to be known for doing an okay job. So that was, I would, you know, any advice to, to any of you is be really clear about, you know, if, when you say yes to something or you, you want to stretch outside of your day job, do, making sure it's something that you really feel like it's an area you can grow, you can learn, you can stretch, and most importantly, that you're invested in yourself. So that, that's the, the, the what didn't work so well. I think what, what has worked better for me, probably in a similar vein, is getting super clear about what I am passionate about. I am so clear today as an individual, as a leader, as a professional about how to run an, an sales organization, how to invest in my people. And there are certain aspects of each of those categories and topics that I had, I spend an inordinate amount of time on because I care so deeply. And so I'm happy to chat about those topics anytime because it comes from an authentic place and a place of, you know, I don't know if we call it expertise, but a place of, of knowledge and, and experience. And so, um, you know, I think try also thinking about being consistent. I tend to spend time and energy on those topics, whether I'm you know, speaking to an, an audience like this or writing content that I want to publish on LinkedIn, they tend to be in a sort of similar vein so that I'm going a, a sort of deep in, in a domain as opposed to, you know, what is an inch, inch a mile wide and an inch deep. I I'm, I'm, tend to spend a little bit more time going deep on the topics I really care about. So those are a couple of things that I would suggest. You know, one other, because it can really feel daunting to think about building a brand, one other tip I might suggest is you don't have to be creating your own content to build a great brand. Often some of the the best that we see, especially on LinkedIn.com, 
is when we, we see individuals that are great at curating the content of others. So finding articles and posts uh, and you know, content that they, they found that other people have written or shared, and then adding their own perspective about what really jumped out and sharing it with that audience on a consistent basis. And, and that's a great, easier way to become known as someone who really shares content that's valuable and insightful and isn't just passing along someone else's content, but also adding their own perspective. So that's something I would encourage people to do that is a lot less daunting than, you know, sitting down having, you know, with a blank sheet of paper. That's great. That really leads into this next question that I have, which is, you know, you spoke earlier about nurturing the network and, you know, we were talking to somebody else and it's like watering a plant, right? Watering your network, keeping it alive. What, what can you pass on to our audience in terms of how they can use LinkedIn and how can they can go even beyond LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn is really great at connecting dots and making sure that you, you stay connected, but just being LinkedIn with somebody isn't usually enough. So what are some of the, what are some of the ways that you can recommend them go beyond that and how, you know, how important it is for them to stay connected and maybe even tying it back to some of the important topics that are important to you and how you apply that um, in that area, right? Because that's going to go be above and beyond than just what your day job is. It's really, you know, thinking about you holistically. We'd love to hear that. Yes. Well, you know, you bring up a really important uh, topic around, you know, building your network is, I mean, that is, it's certainly important to have the right connections, but it's really also important to keep that network uh, tight around people that you know, and that, you know, it's, it's an audience that you, you want to stay engaged with because just amassing a huge, you know, a, a huge list of contacts on, on a platform like LinkedIn, LinkedIn or anywhere else, I think can actually really water down the, the efficacy of, um, you know, of what you're trying to accomplish. And so, I, you know, my tips would be only connect with people who, who you, you really know and where, you know, the context makes sense to, to be connected. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, number two is you do, you have to nurture those relationships. This is a relationship just like it is any, you know, in any other uh, facet of your life. It, just being connected is, is not enough. And so it's like, you know, your, your old friend that you never, you maybe never pick up the phone or send an email to, um, it's nice to know they're there, but it's so much nicer when you actually connect and, and um, have an opportunity to reach out. And so thinking about how you want to nurture those relationships and, and different parts of your network are going to be, you know, serve different purposes or you'll engage with them differently. Um, and then, you know, I think the, the third tip I'll leave you or share with you is that in today's environment, nobody has time for generic. And so everything that we, we would do, whether it's on LinkedIn or elsewhere, has got to be personalized, tailored. And specific to the individual. So, um, you know, I always think about, you know, how can I add value to this person? How can I make sure that they know that I'm speaking to them directly and that this isn't just, you know, uh, some, some generic message that I'm shooting out to everyone. So I think those are things that help us to build connection, deepen relationships, and they, they go back to this idea of credibility and brand as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. With all these changes that we've been living in, right, I think a little bit about the dynamics of sales, right? A lot of you've got inside sales, which are really used to kind of the cold calling and, you know, building relationships without having that personal connection. But then the outside sales has been 150% on, you know, taking people to lunch, meeting them in person, right? Going and having an in-person meeting and presentation. And the pandemic has shifted everything to a virtual world. 
where do you think this is going to impact sales in the future, right? We're going to be in this situation for a little bit longer of a time, but how do you see that evolving the sales landscape and what sellers are going to be faced with in the longer term or how they're going to start maybe doing their jobs differently? Yeah, we've already seen this with our customers and in so many instances, it's been really interesting to see for any industries, and there are a lot of industries that had almost an exclusive uh, outside or in-person per, in sales process where you might have been, you know, knocking door to door or warehouse to warehouse, or, you know, you only met with customers in person. Well, obviously those companies have either, you know, really been challenged or they've adopted. And it's been really inspiring actually to see the, the companies that, you know, maybe six months ago, it was 100% in the field, right, out in the market. And how quickly they are adapting to a, a new, more technology-driven and uh, virtual, you know, environment. And they're doing that. They're having to, you know, think about, I, I no longer, um, you know, go down my list of the, the zip code or, um, you know, literally go door-to-door. -door. I'm, I'm now having to use technology, whether it's LinkedIn or other platforms, to figure out who is the, you know, what's the, the universe that I should be engaging with. And then how do I do that differently? It is, it's, it's a different way, it's a different kind of door knock when it's virtual. And, um, and one of the things that we, we see is, you know, this goes back to our network, the more that we can get warm introductions into those individuals. And what I mean by warm introduction is, you know, Laura, I know you and, and you know an individual that I'm trying to engage with. If I can ask you to make an introduction because you know that individual well, I am much more likely to get uh, a, a meeting with them, my, it will likely convert the deal more quickly. And typically we see a higher, um, higher price tag on it. And so there's all of this goodness associated with a warm introduction. And yet a lot of companies are still stuck in the cold calling era where all they want to do is just pound the phones and, and, you know, lob a call and, and see what sticks. And I think like, you know, we just don't, none of us have energy for that today. You know, I'm, I will not take a conversation with any salesperson calling me with a generic outreach or who just happens to catch me on the phone if they don't have something credible, relevant, and personal to say to me that speaks to me and who I am and, and what I'm likely dealing with. And so, you know, that's something that we really think is, is important in this environment. And I don't think that's going to change, but I, you know, even if we end up going back to the office and back to some in person, I think that bar of what we're willing to tolerate and what we ex are going to expect is going to stay very high. I think that's so true because this is the changes that we've undergone before. Now with the benefit of hindsight, we can say, okay, there was 9-11, there was the big crash in 2008, but recovery from those were more of a sprint. Like it, it seemed like it took an eternity for things to turn around back then, when in reality it wasn't such a long time. And, and now with COVID and all the changes this has wrought, it seems pretty clear that this shift is more of a marathon than a sprint. And so what advice do you have for sales professionals with that to, to, to take on that kind of a, a mind shift from sprint to marathon? Yeah, well, I mean, it goes back to you know, many of the things that we've touched on. I think one is this idea of we've got to be open to change. You know, we're, we're used to all being working from home and doing things remotely, well, how are we gonna think about when we, the pendulum shifts a, a bit back to maybe normal, whatever that will look like? Um, we'll probably be a little bit smarter and more thoughtful with our time. 
So are we going to get on a plane and fly across the country for one meeting versus is that something that I could do more effectively from where I am and fit a couple of other meetings into my day, but reserve those really important, you know, in-person opportunities to the, the, the ones that really warrant it. So I think we'll be smarter with our time. Um, I think we, we're going to have to continue to manage our mental, emotional state and, and making sure that we um, are taking care of ourselves first. I think that won't go away. And I, and I, think, I, I think this has been an important shift just in the, the professional context. I think health and well-being, it's long been a trend and a theme, but it has come to the forefront in a way that is, is you know, more pronounced than ever because of all of the things that we're dealing with, um, you know, taking care of you know, family members and to now balancing our kids at home in school and work and everything. So I, I hope that we will all take that idea of we've got to take care of ourselves and really prioritize and set limits and boundaries and all of those things, that that will be something that persists, if that's important as, as we think about this being a marathon and not a sprint, uh, and hopefully something that we, we continue no matter, again, whether we go back to an office or not. Um, and, and then also some of those skills that we talked about. So, you know, I, I don't imagine that even when we, you know, go back to in-person in some, some form, that we'll move away from the technology that we're adopting and some of the skills that are going to be important. And, and again, that, that high bar. So, you know, I'll, I'll share with, with you, we, we did a, um, a report recently where we surveyed over 10,000 uh, different companies and leaders to understand um, what are buyers and sellers looking for in, in, you know, this environment. It's called the State of Sales Report. And one of the, the most interesting insights coming out of that report was that we saw the, the top seven characteristics that buyers were looking for. And we looked at that compared to the top seven skills that managers were coaching their reps for, or coaching the reps on. And there was just huge disparity between what buyers wanted and what managers are coaching on. And, um, you know, and, and Larry, you mentioned at the beginning this, this concept of relationship building. It is important, but it's not enough. Uh, relationship building is foundational, but you only get to strong relationships when you're solving a problem, when you're building trust, and it starts with great active listening. And so, that ended up being the number one skill that buyers value in salespeople today, but it was number seven on the list of skills that managers were coaching on. And so when we think about, again, this marathon versus sprint, that something like that, we've got to wake up and realize that is here to stay. It's probably always been important, but never more important than an environment like today where maybe six months ago, you had a sense of what I cared about. Well, guess what? My world's turned upside down. And I need you to be really attuned to what I care about today and be really interested in trying to understand and help solve the problem. So those are a few of the things that I think we're going to have to keep in mind. That's so fascinating. I'm going to share that with my organization because, you know, I sit more in a sales strategy role versus just out there selling. But to me, that is the one thing that I feel like I'm always saying. I'm like, well, what are your clients selling? Because they're just talking about what we're pitching. And I'm like, but what are they saying? Like, what do they need? So I'm going to share that for sure. <laughs> I also think it kind of relates a little bit to what you were saying um, in terms of what's really important to us now. I think we as individuals are recognizing um, what's really important. I do think there's still a little bit of a disconnect, though, with organizations really understanding what now is really, really important, right? And I think that 
there are some organizations that are, you know, taking this to the extreme and saying, hey, we're going to go with a work from home policy permanently if you want to, or really taking their time. And others are like, we're really trying to race to figure out how to get people back in the office. And, you know, to me, that's kind of like a, you know, a solution or not even a solution. Like it's like an end game of where they want to get to. And, and I don't know if that's the right way to go. Like it's either in the office or out of the office. I think it's all the stuff in the middle, which is what's really, really important. And how can managers then identify and help maybe the organizations think about, okay, what's really important then to our employees, what's really important to their clients, right? And how do you bring those together? Yeah, I think that's so important. You know, this there has been a seismic shift in all every company's business model, and we have to. I think, yeah, whether it's in person or in the office, it doesn't. None of this matters at the end of the day. We we need to. I think first start with what has changed in our business in our go to market. Does it still resonate in the same way? Do we need to reevaluate um, what our our marketing sounds like? in this environment? Do we need to reevaluate our engagement strategy? Do we need to re reorient around the kinds of customers that we're, we're, we're going after or how we're helping them? And really segmenting the customers based on how their businesses are shifting. That is the core to, to getting through this thing and, and being setting ourselves up on the other side for success. Um, and it has very little to do with where we're working, in my opinion. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that, you know, this is definitely bringing a lot more conversations to the forefront and it would be remiss of any organization not to take a lot of those things seriously, right? Because I think that, I think employees are going to start to look at what's more important to them and demand more of that, um, which I think then is super interesting, you know, and, and how we go about, you know, what's next. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think the last question that's on here is, um, you know, we talked a little bit about what's important to you, but do you have any other words of wisdom to share with sales professionals as they settle in this new dynamic, right? Like, you know, we talked a little bit about nurturing relationships. We talked about what's really important to us. We talked about tips about tips in terms of keeping your network hydrated. Um, but Anything else? I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of ongoing change. You know, one of the things that I always think about is, you know, even in this uncertainty, maintaining a schedule, right? Whatever that schedule yeah. is. Like, what are things that you, what are things that you give to your team or that you impart on others in terms of figuring out not only how to maintain, but wh where to find growth in all of this as well, personal, professional development and growth. I, I love this topic because I mean, it's so, it's so important. I mean, there, I think there are really important aspects of both the personal development and the professional development that we have an opportunity to overinvest in right now. You know, we, we have a little bit less oversight in a lot of ways. We have a little bit more flexibility with not having to commute. It's like, how are you spending that extra time? You know, for me, that might be, you know, a little bit of extra sleep. Sometimes it might be an extra workout. Um, it might be cranking out a, a few, few extra hours of work. It, it depends, but I think it's figuring out I've got, I've got some extra time and how do I want to be intentional about using it? And I think what's been really inspiring to see is how many individuals right now are using that extra time for professional and skills development. You know, like I said, the, the investment that people are making in some of these LinkedIn learning courses around skills that 
they probably, you know, it's always on the to-do list. Well, let me go take a, a learning course and, and make sure I'm, you know, learning how to be a more effective speaker, or whatever the, the topic is. It's one of those things that we have a hard time getting around to. And I think in this environment, we, we can take some time, schedule it into the day, make it happen, invest in it, go practice it. Um, and so that's, you know, I think one great example of things that we can all be doing right now. Um, you know, I'm spending a little bit more time right now than I ever have just thinking about working my business overall and thinking about what are some other outside perspectives? Who are some people, going back to the network, who are some people in my network that I'm probably overdue to reconnect with that might have some really helpful insights as we think about you know, how to navigate this ourselves and, and what's next. And so those are things that, again, it's always on my to-do list, but I, I don't generally get around to it as often as I want. Making time and putting it in the calendar is, is the first step. Um, and, and then on the, um, I think on the personal front, you know, one thing I always recommend to people is just being really clear about boundaries. You know, just because we're working from home doesn't mean that our meeting should lead into dinner time or, you know, that we, we should be expected to be on call all the time. And so to the, to the extent you work for an organization where you can be really clear, and hopefully you do, uh, that you can be really, really clear with your, your manager about what your needs are and what your boundaries are, I think that's so important right now. And again, that's one of those things that I hope will we'll continue when we go back to an office one day. So those are some things I think we need to, you know, we, we have an opportunity to really get clear about how do we want to invest ourselves and how do we want to make time, you know, professionally and professionally right now. Alyssa, thank you so much. Your words, your wisdom, your insights have been so valuable to both Rachel and I, and I'm sure our listeners are going to really relish and find a source of inspiration in everything that you've shared. It's been really a pleasure having you on this Mad Women podcast. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Alyssa. Like Alyssa said, as humans, we're not particularly great at uncertainty and we're definitely not great at change. But we have to take this opportunity to adapt, to be authentic, to forge genuine personal relationships with our clients and with our teams, to invest in our own personal growth, and most of all, to be resilient. Because as we all know, the only constant is change. We hope you enjoyed the show. Until next time. This. Yes.